I've often thought back at that time that had you know the terrible events not occurred, whether I would have in fact continued. I don't think I would. Hello and welcome to episode 111 of Colin Bradley Artcast. I'm Stephen Bradley. I'm Colin Bradley. Well, that was a mouthful, wasn't it? I could, uh, it's going to start getting longer and longer, the intros, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> That's right. Uh, hi, Dad. Hi, it's nice to have you in the flesh again, Steve. It's nice to be down. Yeah. It's uh, nice to hear myself through the headphones in our studio setup. That's and, right. Uh, the good, rich quality. That's that we, right. That we have. With my deep voice. <laughs> yeah, as we were talking about People last time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll really, we'll start really exaggerating it now, won't we, as we're talking. That's we'll right. really talk like this. <laughs> um, no, we should put on our radio voices, shouldn't That's we? That's right. Yeah. Specific radio voice. Um, so, you're okay? I'm fine, yeah. Good. Yeah. Yes, I'm doing really well again. You know, not, not a good week. Well, I've come down to pick up all the work that you've I know. been doing, <laughs> <laughs> passing it over to me. I know. You go, well, I, I've, I've been quite busy. Well, you, you were busy, I think, you know, when you did the pantomime and so on, you, and when you went back to London, you had a lot of work on, especially with a new website. I mean, you, you were inundated with it. So I, I didn't give you anything. So now you've now got a whole load of editing and sorting out to do. Yeah, a whole load of new stuff. So thanks for that. Um, members won't be too bothered because uh, they're going to get they're going to reap the rewards of all the this editing and all your experimenting Absolutely. with new new subjects. Absolutely. So good, good, excellent. So uh, this week we've had a, an email come through, a very interesting email, and there's some questions on this email which uh, are for you, Dad. Oh, really? And I need to read them out for you. So uh, this comes from Jessica, and it reads, "Hi there." The other day, I came across your website about Colin Bradley. I'm using him as a reference for A-level art, and there were some questions I had that didn't have answers to. So if you could take a few minutes to answer some of my questions, that would be very much grateful. So thanks, Jessica, for sending this in, and what a compliment to be be asked and inquired about for for Jessica's A-level. Absolutely. Um, So are you ready for the questions? Uh, They're not too personal, are they? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. But I don't think these are questions that really um, I've ever asked you. Some of them are obvious okay. to listeners. Oh, well. Some of them are, are obvious okay. to people listening. But I'll be some... as honest as I can, Stephen. Okay. And uh, it's just people get to know a little bit about you. Um, question number one. When and where was Colin Bradley born? Uh, Talking about yourself in the third person now, aren't I? Absolutely. <laughs> As if you're not here. Well, um, I was born in 1940, uh, one year after the outbreak of the Second World War. So I was a war baby. A war baby. A war baby. They called them war babies then. And... Uh, it was uh, a time, as you can, everybody can imagine, of uh, great hardship, really, with all the rationing and all the things that went on during the war and the, the stress and so on. But, you know, I don't remember very much about it. I mean, think about it. I was only five when the war ended, so I wouldn't have had that many memories. But I do have a few. I do have a few memories of being thrown under a table at one time or other. Because we, where we lived in uh, uh, hometown... Um, so where was, you were born... That's right. Was, oh, you want to know where I was? That's oh, one of the questions. Oh, Gravesend. 
in Gravesend in Kent, which is on the river. And, of course, it's a stone's throw from Tilbury Docks. And Tilbury Docks was uh, one of the, uh, you know, places where the bombs dropped. And they missed occasionally and hit us. And, uh, in fact, most of Kent uh, suffered like that. Anyway, uh, I was... uh, That's where I was born. And uh, Tell this story, if you don't mind saying, about where you were born specifically and what happened to where you were born. Well, I was born... The house I was born in, a few months after I was... um, We moved away from that house. We went to live with my grandmother. And uh, it was bombed and uh, flattened. A few months after you were born? After we moved. After I was born, yeah. I was... It was about... I mean, I don't remember it. I only remember what my parents told me, but I think it was a few months later, after I was a few months old. And you'd moved. And they, we all moved, yes, to my grandmother's house. It was still in Gravesend, but it was another part of Gravesend. And that house I was in was, was flattened. Unbelievable. Everybody, unfortunately, uh, was killed in it. Unbelievable. I mean, that's, that's a shocking story, but I, mm. I remember hearing you telling me that, and mm. it's fascinating. Mm. Um, it was a hard time anyway. Very, yeah, I can imagine. It was yeah. a hard time. But fortunately, as I said, I don't remember too much about it. Mm. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, my father was in the uh, Royal Army Medical Corps. But he, would, he didn't go to, uh, he didn't join the, the fighting until a bit later on in the war. I think it was 1942. Uh, so it was a little bit later. Interesting. Okay. Mm. So, uh, question number two, uh, when did creating become something important in your life? Oh, creating. What? So, when did creating, like, when did art yeah. become something important uh, in your life? Mm. Oh, I, well, I would think probably it was, it's always been in, a part of my life. I was always like drawing, as everybody does. So kids draw, like drawing and so on. But I, I suppose the, the pivotal point was when I uh, lost my first wife and it was then when you know you obviously go through a lot of trauma and I really was searching for something to uh, occupy my mind as you do and painting I would already started painting by then I'd done a few pictures just playing really around with them but I really did go into it in uh, more depth then and I think then it became very, very important to me at that time mm. and it changed the way I, th- I thought about it all. And, mm. of course, consequently, it continued. Well, that's interesting. We've always talked about art being therapeutic. We have had hundreds of emails mm. about art being therapeutic mm. and acting as therapy. And that's, it's, you can relate to that immensely. Absolutely. And I've often thought back at that time that, had you know the terrible events not occurred, whether I would have in fact continued, I don't think I would. Mm. First of all, I wouldn't have moved, mm. and I wouldn't have come here. Therefore, you've got to, you wouldn't have been around either, mate. I know. <laughs> so you know there are there are things that when you look back on your life, you wouldn't wish them on yourself, but you make the best of what you you get and what you do and your lot, and consequently you come through the other end with something. Special, but mm. yes, it was a time when I needed that. I think what happens when any trauma comes like that, you you search yourself, you search within yourself, mm. uh, much deeper than you would normally because you go deeper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to find something else that's, uh, that that compensates you in a way. 
Yeah, you're kind of looking for um, some. Yeah, you're looking for something to substitute. Yes. You know, you're looking for something to heal you, aren't mm, you? Mm, I suppose you are. That's what you are. In a sense, and, you and feel take, like a it's, piece it's, of you. It's, it's, putting, it's putting your mind on hold for a while, you know, with all your thoughts. Escape. Other people escape, yes. And I think other people, I'm sure, many, 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 many of our listeners would relate to things that like that that would have happened to them. Mm, mm. That's fascinating. So it's that's really when the creative side came out. Became something important in your mm. life. Absolutely. Um, number three, fairly obvious uh, from questions that we've just answered, uh, asked. Number three, what is your nationality and age? Well, I... Uh, well, you know how old I am if I was born in 1940. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot of working out, but I'm in my 75th year now. Uh, but uh, what was the other question? What's your nationality? Oh. <laughs> English, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not a particularly no, no, hard no. one. <laughs> no, 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 I'm I'm English. So, as far as I know, I may have because the name Bradley, I believe, is uh, Irish. I may have links with Ireland at some really? point in time, but I don't. I've got no record of that. Interesting. I didn't mm. know that. Yeah, Bradley is Irish. Yeah, as a name. There you go. There you know. Now you can tell people that. <laughs> I never do I've that. I've got a little bit of Irish in me. Got, yeah, a little bit of Irish. Um, number four, what awards have you received for your artwork? So what awards have you received? Mm. This is a good question. It is, yes. Um, well, well, first of all, awards being uh, accolades, um, and I have really have, haven't got any at all. Um, no, I've got no... I've got no qualifications either. People say to me, what art school did you go to? I, oh, I never went to art school. Mm. I, I was just completely self-taught. And as far as awards is concerned, no, I haven't got any. So I'm afraid I'm um, someone without real qualifications. In fact, I mean, it held me back to start with because when we started thinking about the teaching side, I used to say to people, I can't teach. I've got no qualifications to teach. How was that when people would come to you? Did they? Is that one of the kind of questions you would get asked? What? what where did you train? Where did you qualify? No. Was that ever a prerequisite no. for people coming to learn from you? Absolutely not. No one, until Jessica mentioned it there, has ever mentioned that to me. I've mentioned it in my art story. I tell people that I'm self-taught. No, it doesn't matter. I think the thing is, when you produce artwork, like I produce artwork, and people look at it, they don't, there's no question, is there? I mean, you obviously are good at what you do, and if you're good at what you do, there's no questions about it. You, do, you don't um, have any problems. You let your artwork speak for yourself. Exactly what you do, yeah. yeah. Mm. I think it's probably... I did meet somebody else, a chap called Michael Taylor, uh, early on in uh, coming to Broadstairs. He only lived in a village not far from here and he was self-taught and funny enough he came from gravesend too it was quite an amazing coincidence yes yes we just met by chance uh, i admired his work he came into the gallery once and said uh who he was and i saw some of his work exquisite brilliant he was a brilliant artist and then we had we had dinner with him and uh, he you know, told us about it and he said oh, i come from gravesend oh well well he said, and I'm, I never went to art school. Hmm. So, there you go. Interesting. I don't think you have to necessarily go to art school. In the old days, it was kind of more a necessity if you wanted to be a graphic artist or somewhere in that kind of uh, profession. Uh, art school trained you up for that. 
of course, nowadays. It is that kind of thing's gone. The graphic artist, as such, is no longer available. You know, they don't. They, the jobs aren't there for them. Mm. Uh, but in those days, that's what art school was really all about. It wasn't training people to be painters or you know, artists. You can't as teach such. someone necessarily to express themselves. No, that's right. They just do. Well, in a way, the well, the colleges and the art schools do give you a lot of theory with art and i think this is quite important i mean you, you can relate to that because you you've never been to um, drama school and the other day when you were talking about shakespeare uh, and you know doing a little bit of a reading for shakespeare mm. and you mentioned that oh i really don't know what shakespeare's all about had you gone to art school yeah and colleges that would have been taught to you so you it's like you miss out just a little bit on the background theory to it but you're absolutely right it doesn't make artists as it doesn't make actors yeah that's a good point Not yeah. good actors it teaches like the academic side of things doesn't it like the mm. kind of school mm. side of things um, yes like you said, theory. The, the only thing I've, I've always said that the fact that what I do is my own thing and I've got no influences that I've had to follow. I've no rules, really, that I've had to follow. And I think that has come out better in my case. It's given me a freedom that I possibly wouldn't have. I would have thought, oh, I mustn't do that. When I studied watercolour, I did watercolour as I thought it, it should be done. And uh, it wasn't until later on that people said, oh, I've never seen it done that way before. And uh, You'd go, oh, really? Really, yes. <laughs> Didn't know but, any so, different. But, but, of course, it was done that way. In the, the old Victorian, the Victorians used to draw and paint in watercolour that way. So it's That's, only the later, later years when it, the wishy-washy style came. In. Well, this is the, the great thing about your teaching as well and about the website is that people coming... Uh, maybe from these backgrounds or maybe not from these backgrounds are coming in and seeing the kind of freedom mm. that you have mm. and you're kind of spreading that message of, mm. you know, like you say, break the rules, you know, experiment, mm. do this, do that. This is what I've done. Use your artistic license to do this. It's kind of teaching people to be their own artist. Absolutely. But by, you know, saying, you know, do this, follow these mm. and then think outside the box. Well, art... A um, bit like music, I suppose. You can you can play an instrument. You don't have to be great at it. You can just play it, or you can play the piano. Thousands and thousands, millions of people just play the piano for fun, and they enjoy it. Art is the same. You can paint, and we've got thousands and millions of artists around the UK and uh, the world. I'm sure who who just paint for fun. It's a leisure pursuit, and these are the people that we really kind of have on our uh, member site and uh, follow me on YouTube and so on. They're people who just love doing it as a leisure pursuit with no real uh, end goal. They're not necessarily going to or going to go along to a gallery and say, will you hang my pictures up? They're, it's nice if you can get to that stage, but not really very many actually do go into the uh, professional side. It's not, a, as I've said before, it's not something I would, necessarily recommend people try out for because painting as a profession is very dodgy but painting for a leisure pursuit is wonderful mm. and so i think we kind of that's why i went down that road rather than the other road we talked about yeah. a few weeks ago and the 
teaching people is great reward and uh, we, and i'm able to share you know the things that i love to do with mm. them too so good okay well that's uh, all the questions from jessica thanks um i hope that's helped you um i hope that's going to help you with your uh, reference for a level art oh, that'd um, be nice. let us know yeah. how you get on jessica mm. and um if you uh, well, just hope she listens to the podcast yeah well i did say I oh did, did you say. Oh. so um, if oh. you're tuning in jessica then uh, i hope that's helped um i'd also give another listeners a little bit of an insight because yeah. those questions obviously uh, yeah. some of those I haven't really heard mm. the answers to so very good um moving on the next uh sort of topic that i want to talk about um one of our members gabrielle sent in a picture that she'd started doing of an eagle. Oh, right. And she had trouble with uh, doing the ends of the feathers uh, and to get the neck darker. Uh, now, this is it's going on our blog anyway, but I sort of wanted to talk a bit about mm. feathers and to explain, mm. explain what the picture was and um, mm. what Gabrielle was struggling with. Well, it was an eagle's head, so you only had the head, the eye, the beak, and uh, a little bit of the back feathers and the under part of the neck that's all you had on the picture there wasn't a lot of it but that kind of feather is a nightmare to do it's really really hard and i'm not surprised that gabriel was um struggling with it but the way to do that is actually is much simpler than you think what you would do is you would take a, a pencil for instance like 187 is a great one or 186 because these feathers are orangey Okay, so they, they were, and a raw, sharp, raw colour. Draw those in. You've really? probably already drawn them in if you've um, used the pencil uh, to draw them. So you've already lightly drawn them in anyway, but you go over those marks. Actually, I'd reduce those marks slightly to make them fainter. And then I'd go over the top with 187, actually draw them in. Straight on. It's going to look very odd, very odd. But what that does, it gives you framework for every single feather. You've got a framework for it. Are you with me? And you can just fill them in. I see. And it doesn't matter go, that it's dark. No, no, because you're going to... You're going to 187 is a good colour. That's why I've chosen 187. Right. It's a, and 186. And both of those colours will blend. Is that, that burnt sienna? Uh, 187. Gosh, now you've got me. No, I don't think it's burnt sienna. No, it's, it's, it's an orange. Describe that kind of colour. Burnt is it? sienna is a dark. It's, it's 283. Uh, okay. But actually, two eight three would be another colour you would use uh, on top of that to, to if you wanted a darker feather. But you'd certainly use it in you, if you were doing the feathers underneath the. This is where Gabrielle had the problem underneath there. One of the problems there is the colours that we used were the same colours that were used on the neck. Uh, sorry, the back of the head, which was whites and uh, pinks and so on. Now, all of those colours went at the, under the neck. And so there was no way, can't get no it dark possible enough. way you're going to get it dark enough. So you can't create any up, shadow no. or any contrast. No. So what you do with that is, is actually quite easy. What you do there is you draw those feathers once again in 283, sharp. I've got to tell you, they've got to be a sharp pencil. Draw them out in 283 and fill those in with 187. Uh, okay. Only the ones that are dark. Okay. Yes. And then you could put, you could even put a bit of grey on if you wanted to to start with. Uh, still drawing them with two eight, 283. 
and then put the grey in, maybe two seconds. What, a medium or a light grey? No, no, medium grey. You want to stick, don't put anything light in. Anything light goes in, you're never going to get it dark enough. Uh, probably 273, I would think, would probably a good colour. And then, and then you could put the uh, 187 directly on top of that. Blend that in. Now, that gives you a medium tone, okay? So you're starting at a medium tone, not a light tone. Then you can put 283 on top of that. And then that joins it with the outline. It all goes in, yes. It's, the thing is, you've got to put a framework in something like that. If you don't, you're in a hopeless mess, especially mm. feathers. Feathers don't like that. Do you, when you've got a lot of feathers, do you have to draw each individual feather? You would in that case, I'm afraid. Right. You've got no choice. You know... I you can't say be too to you, impressionistic with that. You no, have to be quite going for detail. It would look awful if you try to just put an impression. I mean, within the feather, you can be impressionistic. You can still put the um, if, as texture. Long as you've got the, yes, as long as you've got the framework in. Within that framework, you can be a little bit... Uh, because feathers are tricky, because feathers are like... There's a lot of individual feathers in a like a clump of feathers isn't it almost oh, or strands di- that's different aren't though. they so yeah. the strands within the feather are, mm. they're more impressionistic yeah because that's the texture absolutely but the actual clump of strands which is the full feather no, that one that you have to put that framework in that particular one you've got no choice but to do it how do you know whether you can or cannot do it it uh, depends well, on the it, picture it's, it's the way it looks if you look at a picture like the puffin for instance that didn't need it there I could put the individual. I could put the the general colour in and put the. Although, if you remember, I did put the individual. You did. In you did underneath it. With. Yeah, yeah. With the grey, did you yeah. put a grey? I still, with feathers, you've got to put a framework in. You haven't got any choice. But you can get away with the, the puffing. Was definitely, um, you know, much much more uh, impressionistic. The, the feathers, although they might have looked real. The thing is, all feathers of that kind mould together anyway. They they they're not individualised. One of the other birds that you have a problem with is a kingfisher that's a bit of a nightmare job why is that is it because they're quite well, fine because there's so many colors in the kingfisher you have to work yeah. all that you can't you just can't put all the colors together so you have to individualize them you know it's, but even then you still can get away to a certain extent with um uh, artistic license there and not doing the actual not doing actually what you see so with a kingfisher, of what you see with a kingfisher, what what kind of colour do you use as a framework for that? Ooh. Well, I'm going to do one, so you're going to find out. I haven't All done right. it yet, but I'm going to be doing it. It's one that I've got on the chocks. One that you did, because now that we've got all of the teaching material in the membership site, mm. there's obviously a kingfisher pack people yes, can absolutely. get hold of. Absolutely. Um, what about that picture? What was... Oh, gosh, I can't remember now. That's a long while ago I did but that. But would you use like a medium grey or something you'd, like that? Or? I think you'd probably use greys as undercolours. If you're putting a blue on, which there was a lot of blue on there. Yeah, there was. There was greens on that, wasn't there? Yeah. I would put grey underneath it, definitely. Like a cool grey. Cool greys, uh, yes, in that case it would be cool greys, yes, because you're looking blues and greens. If you're using reds, oranges, and yellows, well, is, and things, is there you a put bit of orange and things like that in there? Is there a little bit? Uh, what well, I can't remember. I think there is, but the main there. main would be the a main cool. thing is if you're losing blue and blue. green. In that case, you'd be looking at cool colours. The difference between warm and cool colours isn't a great deal, to be honest. Recently, I've been working with two seventy, believe it or not, and two three three. Now, those two don't go together. Two th- uh, uh, sorry. 273 and, and 270 are one's warm, one's cool. Or 230 and, and uh, 
hang on, when am I going? 2.30 and 2.73. That's the opposites. But if you did use those two, it wouldn't make a great deal of difference to your picture. There's not a great deal between the cool and warm colours. It only helps you if you're going to put other warmer colours into warm colours and if it's cooler colours into right. cool colours. So that's the only help it gives you. But the difference between, if you were to do 2.73 and 2.3 on a piece of uh, on grey paper, side by side, it's not a lot. You wouldn't yeah. see much difference. It would only, like you say, affect it if you're putting the colours yes, on top. It's only a tint. So say if you've got a, a mainly cool, like a kingfisher, you would use cool. I, I think I probably would do always. But if you cool. had another subject that there was some warmer colours in, you could use a... It mm. wouldn't matter so much. No. If you've got... If the overall tone of the picture is warm and cool. Generally speaking, we're working on photographic references, aren't we? We can't work from life. So the photographic reference, the photo- photographer or the, the film or whatever's used, it has a bias to it. And it usually goes down one route or another. Right. But there are rules. You know You know that with the trees. Generally speaking, I use uh, earth colours in trees. Therefore, you're using the, the uh, warmer greys. So going back to that picture then, uh, Gabrielle's picture, uh, the, the reason, um, obviously, for putting in the, the, the uh, darker or medium tone uh, 283 to create the uh, structure of the feathers to put the outline of the feather uh, in. 187 would be the one to oh, use 187. Okay. if you're on the lighter areas, but 283 on the darker areas. On the darker areas. areas. Um, and to not use lighter base colours underneath. No, uh, but, of course, uh, there are always exceptions, and there are one or two lighter feathers in that dark uh, underneath the um, the neck. So you've got to so play you, it. You've still got to play it, but you've still got to play you've it a little bit there. Yes. You've got to... Uh, be prepared it's not difficult if you have your range of colors if you have your your um 270 maybe if you're going to use them for the earthy colors which you presume you would if you're using reds and ochres so you're starting with the 270 and you're working right through to uh 177 or um 175 and black so you're working on the spectrum there's a big spectrum there and all those colors have got to be put in there in the sequence that you would you would use them and then you choose from those colors and and you can you in the lighter areas use the lighter tones if in the dark areas use the darker tones Mm. it's kind of a, a general rule there and people that see me working in the past and certainly uh, a lot of pictures in the future which are yet to be aired you'll see this in how i do it and i do explain this a bit more recently i've been doing that because we get these questions come in and we Mm. have the blogs they've been a great help to me because they've told me what people have problems with Mm. and want answers to so i keep them in my mind and when i'm doing a picture i kind of remember things like that i think oh you know i don't say it out loud but i do remember them and think i'll explain this i'll explain this i'll explain this so people get i think the future in the future and certainly the next year people will see that all the members will see that coming out more mm. my explanation as to why a i've bit done more this theory a bit more theory in your i think it's it's getting to, yes more theory this is what people want. They want those little gems, those little light bulb moments that go off. Think, oh, mm. yeah, I can... Un-. Once I tell them, they think, why didn't I think of that? Because it's mm. obvious. Well, this is going right 
back into a full circle. It's like a bit like art school then in the sense that you will mm. get, you know, and this is the kind of tuition that you can get as mm. well as the theory behind why you're picking these colours, why that specific yes. area needs that. Um, so that's great. There is, a, there is a difference between me and art school, though. I can tell you that. Because generally speaking, in art, there are kind of rules that you never lose black, folks, right? If you went to art school, let's say, don't use black. Don't use black. And what do I do? Use black all the time. Why so, do they tell you not to use black? I don't know. That's what they say. <laughs> You've got to make a black up uh, with, okay. with Payne's Grey or the other. You don't use black. It's too, too dark. But I use black. I must admit... I used black more in the pastel pencil than I did in watercolour. With watercolour, I tended to use the Payne's Grey more. So I kind of... I did use black in the early days, but not so much now. So they're kind of right in a sense in uh, some To a certain mediums. extent, with, with painting, they are. It's pastel pencils that... Um, it's it's, it's a whole new ball game. You have to use black with pastel pencils. And, uh, it, it, but that's just the typical of the kind of thing that you would be taught. So therefore, if I'd been taught, gone to art school... You might have applied well, that to plaster yeah, pencils. Well, 199 black wouldn't have occurred. We wouldn't, wouldn't have it in stock, would we? Mm. Interesting. And it would make a big difference to pictures. Mm. Good. Okay, well, that's nice. It brings a little bit round to a, to a nice conclusion there. Um, that's all we've got for this week. If you've got a question that you want to send in, go to colinbradleyart.co.uk and click on the contact page at the top. And uh, we will ask, I will ask questions to you, Dad, and I'm, you will answer them. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Good. And um, we haven't said this for a while, but if you uh, are new to the podcast and you want, us to leave, want to leave us a review, then please do go to uh, iTunes um, via the buttons on our website um, below this podcast if you're listening on the website. Or look us up on iTunes and uh, please leave us a review. That would be uh, wonderful because it boosts us up the ranks. And we like to be boosted up ranks. Oh, absolutely. Get more listeners. And spread the word as well of the podcast. Yeah. That would be great. Good. So uh, that's it for this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Steve Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. Enjoy Enjoy your week. week.